Circle, a magazine program produced by graduates, participants, and volunteers of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight we feature an interview and information about one of our long-term colleagues and an occasional instructor, Dr. Amelia Barilli. You'll hear about Dr. Barilli's journey to the practice of yoga, qigong, and meditation, Dr. Barilli's current work with Dr. Stephen Porges, related to the polyvagal theory. Please stay with us. Welcome back. In this first segment, Dr. Barilli is interviewed by guest host Carmen Stone. Let's listen. Hi, I'm your host, Carmen Stone, and I have the pleasure of being here with Dr. Amelia Barilli, who is a former professor, distinguished professor from UC Berkeley a Chancellor Award recipient for public service, and a teacher of yoga, qigong, and meditation for a long, long time. To find out more about Amelia, go to www.ameliabarilli.com. That's www.ameliabarilli.com. Right now, I'd like to talk about the fact that Dr. Barilli has studied yoga in India in the early 70s in a school that did scientific research in yoga and studied Qigong with old Chinese masters. And you have a distinguished career as a professor at UC Berkeley. How do you combine those three fields, yoga, Qigong, and meditation? Mm. Gracias, Carmen. Thank you so much oh, for the introduction. And yeah, they seem very separate, but really we are always working with uh, the individual, with each one of us, and the continuum of our body, mind, and spirit. So more and more neuroscience is telling us today that we need to work with the rest of the body to mm -hmm. be calm so that then we have better access to the mind. And uh, in education in UC Berkeley, what I um, did with my students, I taught them a little bit of meditation, mm -hmm. uh, ways of relaxing, so that when they needed to do presentations or be there for an exam or whatever, mm -hmm. they could calm themselves down with simple breathing practices or sometimes just feeling the body anchor mm -hmm. <laughs> in the seat. And, um, and so on the one hand, I have always wanted to learn what was the connection between the body, the mind, but also from a scientific point of view. So I went to this school, which next year is going to celebrate its 100th anniversary, it was created in 1924, uh, where they were using yoga methods mm -hmm. to uh, treat chronic disease. And also they were um, seeing what the old sages from ancient times have said that were the effects of different postures and breathings and all that. And then they were doing experiments, uh, measuring the heart rate or the breath rate or uh, to see what were the physical correlations of that. So, um, yeah, so that's the way that is, 
we, we think they are not really related because we think the body goes one way and the mind goes some other way, mm -hmm. but the mind is a process that happens through the body. So the more that we are able to ground ourselves and also work with the students in experiential ways, not just memorizing, because mm -hmm. that's lost immediately. It's a lot of effort and tension and then they don't remember. Exactly. As soon as they right. <laughs> as exam finish. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I kind of bring them together even today. Ah, okay. And so these are wonderful um, techniques, I'm sure, that you're passing along to the students. Um, how did yoga and Qigong first enter your life? Oh, uh, <laughs> well, uh, Qigong, uh, I was, maybe let's first start with yoga. Okay. Uh, in yoga, I, I was very interested. I was in Argentina and practicing uh, yoga, and I felt that every time that I practice, uh, I would feel more relaxed. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought, well, I will go to the sources. I will go right to India to see, you know, what do they say about how we can relate better to ourselves and to others, because I mm -hmm. thought there was a lot of room for improvement. And um, when I arrived there, uh, the teacher asked me, why do you come so far away? And I said, well, I want to learn from the scriptures uh, mm -hmm. how to uh, relate better to myself and others. And he said, can you be kind when your toe hurts? And it just totally threw me out of balance because <laughs> I thought it was just a question of figuring out. That's what I had done in my school very well and, and all that. This is it. I was 20 years old at the time mm -hmm. in the... 70s, Wonderful. early 70s. And so during that, that whole year, it was working with the body mm -hmm. to understand how to inhabit it in a more peaceful way through the different practices of yoga. So okay. in the West, we usually think more of yoga like um, the asanas, you know, the poses. Now there is mm -hmm. a lot of interest in the breath also. But there are more parts to this empirical science of the body, mind, and spirit that's yoga. Yoga, mm -hmm. according to the tradition, traditional, um, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, that are like the Bible of yoga, is the calming of the mind so that we don't take ourselves for being this isolated person, but we realize that we are all connected and also that we can work with ourselves to experience more peace. And so that's how yoga enter. And then this was in my 20s. Okay. Now let's jump forward to my 40s. I had come to the United States with a Fulbright scholarship to study here in Berkeley mm -hmm. with my son, who at the time was eight years old. And we were far from our family and you know, totally new in the culture, no support whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I was working, studying a doctorate, raising my child, and there were also some other issues um, that were difficult. And so I started to get sick. My glands got inflamed and mm. I went through three rounds of antibiotics until somebody said, um, well, there is this teacher and healer of Qigong in the park. Why don't you come to see her? Mm. So I went and she made me sit down and she just ran her hands like this. And mm -hmm. I thought, what effect is that going to have? She's not even touching me. But huh. I started to cry, not knowing you know, why I was crying, but huh. there was a lot of energy being released, and my glands went 
immediately down and oh, I was healing. <laughs> that is quite the story. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so that so was Qigong, that's the practice Qigong. of uh, Qigong. Of Qi, yeah, the practice Qi. of Qi, your, your internal energy. Okay, and yeah. so then she was basically using um, her energy to help your energy and then to dislodge whatever was going on badly Ex in your system. Exactly. She that was, she was really making amazing. that congested energy to move along. Mm -hmm. You know, she also ran her hands along my legs and along my arms. And so afterwards, I studied with her. Okay. And, and I also studied. Um, Walgus Qigong uh, and other forms of Qigong because I, I really wanted to know how to put together what I have understood as the body as energy in India and what China was saying. And they have um, some similarities about where the vortexes of energy are and mm -hmm. where the rivers of energy uh, run. And okay. Yeah. It was just, it, well, those two totally changed my life. Wow. <laughs> well, it sounds like uh, they did. And it's just so wonderful that you've kind of embraced it and now are passing that along to other people and helping them through the study of yoga and qigong and, and also meditation. Yeah. Um, do you think um, yoga and our qigong would be right for just anyone? Or do you think there are certain people who would benefit more? Some people who might be resistant? Right. Um, Wonderful. What yeah. are the benefits? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, um, in the West, we often think of yoga like the poses. And many people mm -hmm. think, well, it's mainly to be more flexible. And that's one of the side effects uh, that you will may maybe feel more flexible, but it's not mm -hmm. just for flexible people or young people or because it's, it's uh, we work with the body, but we understand that there are these three bodies, the physical mm -hmm. body, the energy body of the thoughts and emotions, and then an even deeper body of awareness that's observing everything that comes up. And when we get very fearful, we close up. And so that witnessing doesn't happen with a lot of inner space for clarity or anything, mm. or, or mm -hmm. outreaching to others. Um, but yoga can be practiced by someone in a wheelchair. In fact, there is, um, if you look in the internet, you will see wheelchair yoga. And there are many <laughs> things you can know. do, you know, sitting. And, yeah. um, the, it can be done by people that are bedridden. Um, so I think we need to move from this image of uh, yoga just mainly for people that are young and fit. It's for everyone, really. And the same with Qigong. Qigong, usually people think of um, the movements, which are beautiful. Uh, they are a little bit like, look like Tai Chi from the distance, but mm -hmm. In Tai Chi, the movements were developed for self-defense. So although in the West we practice a lot the um, slow uh, movements, mm -hmm. and so it looks more like a meditation, still the movements, you know, like you have this beautiful movement like this, you are blocking a punch from somebody else uh -huh. initially. And That's that a movement. in Tai Chi. That's in Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. But in Qigong, the movements that you have are um, moving energy along the rivers of energy. So it's more a more healing uh, wow. intention. And Qigong is older than Tai Chi. So Qigong is a 
working with your inner energy, your chi. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen that there is one part that's more about martial arts, external martial arts, and there mm -hmm. are also internal martial arts. And we've seen those external martial arts, there is also Tai Chi. So it's, it's a bigger... Uh, yeah. But it's coming slowly to the West. Uh, places like Harvard or different kinds of um, hospitals, and they are now saying, oh yeah, practice Tai Chi, because Tai Chi got to the West first, but you will see more and more as the days come that people will go for Qigong. It's, it's, it's very gentle and it's very, um, again, anyone can practice it. You can also practice it sitting down. Some of the movements mm -hmm. is it's movements, it's self-massage, it's release points, you know, like... Uh, sounds wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it really sounds great. Uh, something that I'm sure I will begin to practice <laughs> after sitting here with you today. <laughs> was Duke Ellington with In a Mellow Tone. You're listening to Full Circle here at KPFA Radio 94.1 FM. Now let's return to the second part of our interview with Dr. Amelia Barilli. So now I understand that you're working with a very famous neuroscientist, Dr. Stephen Porges, and he's the author of Polyvagal Theory. Mm -hmm. and looking at studying the applications, the practical applications of how to work with the vagus nerve. Um, there's a lot of interest in this these days, worldwide, locally, regionally, um, focusing on the vagus nerve. Um, how can we benefit from this, and, and why is this um, such a fascination at this time? Yeah, great question, too. Um, the vagus, you know, usually when we think about why do we behave the way we behave, for many years um, it was said, well, there is a lot of that that's unconscious, and because mm -hmm. it's unconscious and automatic, you know, the reactions that we have, mm -hmm. uh, which are based on the autonomic nervous system, which is one that doesn't have so much to do with our conscious decisions, mm -hmm. it's autonomic, automatic. It's like reflexes. Right, right. And it would be the one that's in charge of your digestion, of your heart rate, mm -hmm. of your uh, breath rate, uh, and also reactions we have sometimes when we feel fearful, we just close up, or, mm -hmm. or perhaps um, we disassociate, you know, I'm here, but I'm not here. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and so 
the polyvagal theory tells us how our life change according to uh, if we feel and with a sense of threat or a sense of being more safe. Not because external things have been removed, you know, not the safety of the airports, mm -hmm. which in a way makes us also anxious, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. but an internal safety. So the beautiful thing of the polyvagal theory is that it has you know, uh, brought the attention on the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve and it's part of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the one that has to do with the relaxation response. Okay. So now we are having neuroanatomy, we are un understanding a little bit about our nervous system, mm -hmm. and we are understanding that we do have an influence on that through breath. And ah. that's how it connects with the ancient teachings, you know. Interesting. That, that Interesting. This breath is yeah. a bridge between your nervous system and your mind and your internal states. So then people started going, oh, so you mean that I can do something to hack my nervous system, you know, just to mm -hmm. somehow reset yeah, it quickly. Get a grip on it. Right, get a grip on it. And of course, it's also a question of your lifestyle. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not just a question of, okay, well, I'll do, for example, yawning is good for resetting the, mm. the vagus nerve, but you cannot be yawning all day, right? So, right. Uh, and also there are some, there are even now some uh, little gadgets being created. Okay, I put it here, it vibrates, and maybe it helps my vagus nerve. But what if the thing runs out of battery, or, you know, it's an external thing you are, are applying. Mm -hmm. So what we are, teaching with Dr. Porges right now in a course that's called Embodying Safety, Integrating Yoga, Qigong, and Polyvagal Theory, is to teach people these ancient practices of breath, touch, mm -hmm. um, trust, you know, just self-inquiry and, and working with one's body and, and our own life, our daily life, to create these um, platforms of peace, of inner peace and becoming acquainted with that so that you can come back to it on your own, that mm -hmm. you don't need to be always, you know, dependent on something external because yeah. we all have this amazing organism and, um, and it's just so rich and, and we have it handy. It's just a question of somebody needs to show us how to use it, how to operate the system. Right. But so where is the vagus nerve located in the body, may I ask? <laughs> I mean, is this something I should be placing my hand over when things get to be a bit tense mm. in life, or mm. is it something that radiates throughout the body? So it starts in the brain stem okay. up here, and it goes, it's the longest uh, nerve in the, in, yes. the, in the body. So it starts here, and then it comes. Uh, to the heart and the lungs, wow. and, and it keeps going down, and then it influences also the gut. Okay. So it's so important for our digestion, for our circulatory system health. Mm -hmm. and our, so um, there is no way that you can directly touch the nerve, of course, but one of the techniques that I'm teaching is in Qigong, we mm -hmm. have a point right here, more or less at the height of the nipples, that's called okay. Sea of Tranquility. 
Ah, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> sounds great, right? Yes. So we uh, rub our hands and then we put the center of our palms. We all have these healing hands. Okay. And we put it here and already just by touching uh, in this area of the heart and the lungs mm -hmm. and the sea of tranquility point, you feel like you are landing back in yourself. I mean, we often are busy with our head and, you know, just figuring things in the future or regretting yes. about the past. Come to the present moment. Just mm -hmm. put your hands here. Have a few deep breaths. See if when you exhale, you can have a little bit of a longer exhalation than the inhalation. That will also trigger your parasympathetic nervous system mm -hmm. and your vagus nerve into a relaxation response. Mm -hmm. So this is simple, it's handy, well, we I, always have it. <laughs> that's wonderful, and I tell you, just sitting here speaking with you is calming me down. It's, Thank you. Um, really, you are a calming and, and gentle soul, and um, as you were saying, physicians now are really trying to incorporate some of these practices into American medicine, Western medicine, which is wonderful because for so long we've gone straight to pharmaceuticals. And so right. this is a nice way to branch away from that. So I see this application working well with healthcare and also with self-care, something that we all need to pay, I think, closer attention to, especially now um, in a world where we have just gone through and are still making our way through COVID, um, through different struggles. This is just um, a wonderful thing to, to learn about today, definitely. Yes. So, um, and then this is also really helpful in um, aiding in overcoming some chronic diseases, I understand. So, right, Just right. so many applications. Right, because what happens with the chronic disease, um, I mean, I'm going to refer now to the concept of health uh, in yoga and Qigong and many uh, traditions, world traditions of healing, is that health is a state of balance. And this also coincides with polyvega theory. Okay. We, we talk about homeostasis or a state of balance. Mm -hmm. And then that state of balance is um, interrupted or you know, somehow we, we lose it a bit uh, as we get fearful. And you are right, you know, we are living in the kind of times where there are so many challenges, ecological, political, mm -hmm. economical, you name it. Right. And all that is 24 seven. So our body, which is prepared to deal with dangers, if, if there is a danger, there is a quick reaction and then one should go back into balance. But we live in this state of danger and threat feeling, so you know. True. And so it accumulates and it starts having, um, a lasting effect in the disbalancing of our body. And that's how we get high blood pressure, how we get constipation, irritable bowel syndrome, so many mm -hmm. things, even cancer. And, and so when we talk about individual conditions like cancer or diabetes or, uh, you know, these um, problems, we need to be also looking at the general condition of the individual and try to see well, what's happening with your life? I mean, where are there places where you can introduce some changes, you know, doable mm -hmm. changes, mm -hmm. uh, that will start bringing you some little bit of more peace and then you right. perhaps can sleep better. And so those are the practices that, that we are teaching, but you can also, 
you know, some of it can happen just by um, remembering, you know, mm -hmm. remembering the beginning of the day, take a little time before you jump out of bed and mm -hmm. uh, put your hand here again and take yes. this deep breath and maybe set an intention for the day, what you would like to remember or cultivate. Often we forget during the day and the night before we go to sleep again, coming mm -hmm. back to grounding. So um, that's how it can help also with chronic diseases because one of the problems with chronic diseases is that they are chronic because mm -hmm. the body has had some symptoms. We take medications to suppress the symptoms and then the body starts losing its capacity to to respond, I mean, because it keeps, the, the body is always trying to get to balance again. And it gives us different right. kinds of signs, you know, signals. And now, we've just got so many things coming at us that it's a constant, it's just a constant. And so it's just wonderful to be able to have different techniques to learn these types of things uh, in the world that we're in right now. It's just yeah. absolutely wonderful. You know, from me to you, there are so many people that don't don't know or don't believe that something right. like meditation can actually work. But right. I think if people give it a try, really give it a try. Yeah, yeah, because like when I was in India, they told me, you know, be, meditating is like enlarging a picture. Because of course you are stopping anything else than just sitting. And so all the other things that you are usually trying to avoid or you're busy or whatever, you're not noticing because you're totally engaged with the world are yes. coming up. Right. And so bombarded. And so bombarded. Yes. And you go, oh my gosh, you know, and, and then the mind attaches to that particular, I think it's an important question, attaches another story and then it just flies away with regret or, you know, shame or guilt or anxiety or anger or whatever. All of so the all, yes. all of the above. So I would say in India they used, to, they used to say, before you go into meditation, do something that's calming. Because so get if you, calm before you before you meditate. <laughs> before so you. meditation is not just a cure-all, uh -huh. because it's going to bring you into greater awareness of what's inside you. But it's a great thing once you know, like you could do some stretches, and mm -hmm. and the body loves to stretch and to yes. have a few deep breaths anytime. Yeah. But also before meditating, or you could do some gardening before meditating, or whatever something so that you don't tip. yeah so that you don't go just in, because that's when people then say oh i cannot you know meditation right. is not for me i feel work. more it doesn't work i'm more nervous i'm carmen stone and i am here with dr amelia barilli that was just really wonderful what you've just shared with us um can you just expand a little bit more on this technique of grounding ourselves with the practices of uh, the yoga, qigong, and meditation, and just kind of placing our hands over our heart, pla placing our hands over different parts of our, our body to get the calmness and the peace that we're all so desperately needing right now. Yes, yes. These are simple practices that anyone can include in their daily life. Mm -hmm. And uh, the one we just did was the two hands resting at the area of the heart and the lungs. And especially there is this acupressure and acupuncture point called Sea of Tranquility, 
which is the most relaxing point uh, in mm -hmm. the body, from my point of view. And I love that. Yeah, <laughs> the, the name and the, the just the touch of the hands, really, really feel that touch there. And a deep breath, mm -hmm. I would say two, three breaths, so that your body can register the change. Okay. And you can do it for as long as two, three minutes. Mm -hmm. the, during that time, you will notice how your body progressively comes down. And when the body comes down, the mind comes down. Wonderful. So. Well, just so wonderful. These techniques have uh, helped me today, and I'm sure anyone's going to benefit from what Dr. Berilius said. Um, Dr. Berilius retired from UC Berkeley, but she's still doing a lot of community programs online. She's got a Saturday workshop. She's also teaching um, with an over 55 plus uh, group of people at the UC Berkeley Osher Lifelong Learning Institute in Berkeley and also in Irvine. And so again, if you'd like to know a little bit more about Dr. Amelia Barilli, go to www.ameliabarilli.com, and that's A-M-E-L-I-A-B-A-R-I-L-I.com, and also find her on YouTube um, with the new paradigm. So just the new paradigms? Just the and new paradigms. When I created it, it was the new paradigms. It was the only one. But now you have to put the new paradigms, Amelia Barilli, okay. uh, because there are other ones. Okay, so did you get that? The new paradigms, Amelia Barilli. Again, I am Carmen Stone. I've been your host, and it has just been my honor to sit here and have this discussion with Dr. Amelia Barilli today. And I wish you peace. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you, doctor. <laughs> Thank you.
That was Laura and Sarah and T-Bird Love doing an improvisational performance that was recorded here in KPFA's performance studio for Full Circle several years ago. Up next, we'll hear a conversation between Dr. Brilli and Dr. Stephen Porges. This conversation from the website The New Paradigms Dash Amelia Barilli on YouTube is entitled Embodying Safety, Integrating Yoga, Qigong, and Polyvagal Theory. I'm just so excited about this conversation because we have so much in common. I mean, it's just, and, and your work is amazing. So, well, it's a sense, it's as what you said, if you open up your mind, uh, you're affected by what has affected people for probably thousands of years. And you're you know, you just have to find a language for it. Anyway, it's kind of an interesting personal journey on this. So, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll start formally the, yeah. the recording. Okay. Um, so Steve, it's a great pleasure to be with you and to give welcome to our students that are coming to our uh, PBI course, Polyvagal Institute course, Embodying Safety and Connection, uh, Integrating Yoga, Qigong, and Polyvagal Theory. And it's an amazing opportunity and pleasure to talk with you about the uh, convergence of these two frameworks and how they complement each other and uh, a little bit of what we are going to see in the course. Uh, so, yeah, and how, how do we get to where we are now? So, yeah. Well, what we can talk about, Amelia, and this is what I find really remarkable as I journey into, uh, let's say, other practices and other ways that people have conceptualized uh, calming of the nervous system. So if we just say polyvagal theory gives you a perspective of how to shift those brainstem mechanisms from being in states of defense to being in states of calmness. Calmness opens up for creativity, for sociality, for spirituality. And um, once we start to understand how this is done on literally physiological levels, we gain tremendous respect, I'm going to say, to the ancients. These are all powerful regulators of that ventral vagus calming system. And, and so in a sense, it's as if someone who created these millennia ago, these ritual traditions, had read what the polyvagal theory was and that you have the structures and you have the mechanisms of how these things work. So you're stimulating, in a sense, sensory pathways that get to the calming vagus of calming us down. And the beauty of that is that we learn that the whole uh, context of a healing state, you know, we can use words like homeostasis, or we can use the words like, you know, my body is welcoming, or whatever we want to use, whatever metaphor, our bodies heal when they are not required to be defensive. It's, it's a really a strange, it's almost like a Star Trek analogy of the this, this, this starship enterprise that if it goes into a area and needs to use its energy shields, what happens? It utilizes its resources and it can't maintain that for too long. So, so the energy shields work, but they can't maintain for too long. That's our defense systems. Our defense systems work 
they're metabolically costly. And if we use them too much, our bodies crash and we shut down. Right. So that's what's so important about this course of bringing together the polyvagal theory and the techniques and principles from uh, yoga and qigong, which are about calming the, the vagus nerve and the autonomic nervous system by mapping side by side with the polyvagal theory and the neural pathways, the energy, vital energy pathways of yoga and qigong, and combining that with breath, with touch, with release points like we have been doing and it's it's very effective also with some guidance and so going directly into the experience of shifting from a state of anxiety to a state of safety and then somehow registering that in the body you know opening oneself to actually be in the present moment and experience it and uh, keeping that memory so that it, one can come back to it uh, as we practice. So the course is going to be uh, nine classes, nine live Zoom classes through all the Sundays of uh, July and August. And there will be homework uh, in the meantime to practice. You know, it's very much an experiential course so that people that attend the course can experience this transformational journey of working the nervous system with the breath and with their life, you know, with their daily life. Because like yeah. you were saying, when we, when we go into these states of threat, uh, danger, risk, uncertainty, uh, well, even in neuroscience, they, they, they say, well, the amygdala uh, grows and then it hijacks the prefrontal cortex. And it's true, you cannot at the same time uh, have clarity for taking a skillful decision or even a creative decision to a problem and at the same time be under agitation and by flight or fear or whatever. So is how, how can we work? How can we identify? That's what the course is going to propose. How can we identify when the triggering is coming up and how to work with it, how to cultivate the resources and turn on and off the responses of um, worrying and then being able to let go of layers and layers of that worry or that closing up. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited about the possibilities of this for, for healthcare, for self-care, even for education, because uh, in education, there is so much uh, circumstances that bring um, a sense of risk and threat to the student when we are evaluating them with exams and all kinds of things. And then now uh, the way uh, I taught in Berkeley and I taught with my undergraduates and my older adults is to put them into experiential processes of knowing, knowing and learning and, and using it. And what it, what it did for many of my students and for me too is to connect this with our evolution. Everything you explained to us about our evolution as mammals and as humans and how um, how important is also this interconnection and to experience that safety and connection to ourselves, to our system, to trust our body, to trust our life, to trust our journey, even with the challenges, especially with the challenges and integrating all that. So yeah, I'm just very, very happy 
with all your so, so amelia but i want you to really uh, respect what you're bringing into the course and what a lot of people want and actually often ask me and i'm limited in what i can provide they want tools people want tools so literally they understand that the nervous system regulates these physiological states but they want to know how they can literally terms they use now are hack that nervous system or literally what's a toolkit that we can use and you know that goes beyond breath or what nuances of breath can we use uh, to shift that physiological state in a sense if we feel things going on in our body which we all will this is i would say part one if you don't feel what's going on in your body then then you you uh you know, you, you have to start there. The interoception, the, the feelings of the body and how they're detected have to be a starting point. And for many individuals, uh, that becomes literally a trigger to them because they haven't felt their body for long periods of time. So the toolkits become important, how we vocalize and, and how we listen, how we touch. And even, and this is the part that I find always remarkable, if you do a guided imagery, suddenly you're feeling different parts of your body that for a while were in a sense um, not there. So like if you say, feel the soles of your feet. Well, five minutes ago, you weren't feeling the soles of the feet and now you feel them. How does that occur? Well, it occurs because we don't feel everything all the time and that's fine, but we don't want to give up the possibility of feeling our body. Right, right. And it's so important to, with these systems of breath, touch, release yeah. points, uh, chanting, to be movements, some contemplative movements, to be able to, on the one hand, come back in the body and then to be able to promote these states of uh, mm -hmm. shifting the from a state of anxiety to a state of relaxation, repair, restoration, and to know that we can keep yeah. so it is in on one hand is an effortless practice in the sense that it's not so much about controlling but about tuning to what's going on in our body listening to where the body is and very gently without forcing bring mm -hmm. it into a different state but the, the secret here is that it has to be constant so it, we need to be open to work with our nervous yeah. system in this continuous way and to trust to trust it that the body knows and it's a, it's a wonderful journey challenge adventure whatever you want to call it uh to tune into our system and, and recognize the amazing richness of our organism body mind and spirit mm -hmm. so we are going to go also a little bit on that in the course uh even bringing perhaps prayer uh, but mainly a lot of other practices too, yeah. so that um, I would like people to feel not only that being a toolkit is important, the toolkit, but that, you know, the presentation is like 50% of the transformation or the, the journey. So it's giving the toolkit. Now, the other 50% is the people using the toolkit in themselves and owning it, you know, finding their own, how does this fit in my life? How can yeah. I come back to it, how can I actually feel this transformation, which I and many of my students have felt if you work regularly on it, if you practice it, it does, 
it does bring a different um, base of responding when you are confronted with uh, challenges. I don't know if you have also experienced some of that. Uh, I mean, we have practiced a little bit together and you yeah. seem to like it. <laughs> no, I, I, I always enjoy it. The, the part is that we're respecting the body's own organizational properties, its ability to organize information. And when we even use, uh, I would say, the metaphor of relaxation, uh, underlying that long historical concept of relaxation was that if you get the body out of states of defense, it will know what to do. And so the, the part that I would like to kind of emphasize is that the practices that you, you teach and you do are literally from a polyvagal perspective, neural exercises. And the more you do them, the easier they are for your nervous system to literally find those states. Or another way of putting it is if you have autonomic flexibility, very reliable autonomic flexibility, you have mental flexibility. Now that's not a hard, hard sell because if our body is locked in a state of threat, forget it. We have very limited psychological flexibility. So you can start seeing that this whole system of regulation of our autonomic nervous system changes when we're under, let's say, threats or uh, stresses, whatever term we want to use. Now, the interesting part on this is, can we reverse this? And that's part of what we're working on now. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the course your, is your exercise. We're, yeah. we're talking about literally, um, this is your work. We're talking about uh, neural exercises so that when you are labeling it in terms of breath or touch or chanting or movements, you are literally creating the structure of a neural challenge to that system. Now, whether we call it chi or prana, it doesn't really matter. And what matters is that uh, we can challenge the system and we have a sensation of its own recovery. And that is really, because that's another neural exercise, because that's teaching our body greater uh, interoception, the feelings of the body. And this brings us on the entire tour, what the course, I believe, is going to be about. And as I said, I think it's about re strategies of re-embodiment. Right. Right. And we are going to have a lot of materials from you, you know, articles, videos, a lot of practice from uh, the yoga and Qigong with traditions uh, so that people can practice during these eight weeks and see the transformation and also understand it, make it theirs. Because I want, yeah. I want the course to really be a path of transformation. And it will be if people practice with it and tailor it to their to their needs and use it every day as they can yeah. see, you know, uh, the challenges arising, the states being triggered, the anxiety, and then they little by little with consistency, they practice, they will mm -hmm start seeing changes because that's that's the way it changes right neurons that fire together wire together the uh what you call the neural exercises <laughs> yeah. all, we're, all, all we're both saying is if you welcome it your body will enjoy it 
Yes, yes, and we learn, and we learn. And, and our body learns. That That's the real interesting thing. The other part that you're bringing up is really kind of a rule of how the nervous system works. If we have predictability, and this is what you're really emphasizing, that if we do it, we practice, it becomes our practice. We say we own it now. What it means is that that predictability is a neural metaphor for our nervous system to feel in a state of safety. The beauty is you don't need any equipment. You don't need any previous practice. You know, you just need the, like you said, the openness and the desire to do it. And I think because our times are so challenging, the motivation is strong. I mean, yeah. people do want to come back to health, to come back to inner peace, to overcome anxiety. So if the motivation is strong, perhaps the practice would be consistent and then the changes will be able to be experienced. Yeah, but don't, uh, don't minimize the power of a wonderful teacher. <laughs> and and Amelia, you're a welcoming and wonderful teacher, and this enables people to to trust, to feel safe, and to go on on a shared journey of exploration. Thank you, thank you. I mean, we could keep talking for ages. But <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. We want to thank our guest host, Carmen Stone, and the folks at Berkeley Community Media. Shout out to our technical director, Frank Sterling, our production consultant, Joy Moore, and our first voice participants, Pamela Lyons, Basim al Haddad, and Shiloh Burton, for whom we're holding super positive thoughts. We do support the release of all political prisoners, including Leonard Peltier and Momia Abu Jamal. And as Frank says, please protect your health and humanity. Stay tuned for La Onda Bajita. Thank you.